Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening and welcome to It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans for Leicester City fans. Joined tonight by Steve Barry and uh, expert summariser Dominic Wales joins us for the third time. A hat-trick hero now, Dominic. Thanks for joining us again. Oh, that's, that means a lot. That's special, that is. I think you're the first one to get all three, actually, uh, in all three series. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thank you very well, much. Yeah, well, thanks for coming back. thought you were getting a bit bit too big time now. Now, you do your <laughs> bit on uh, Radio Leicester, don't you, weekly? We were just discussing that off, off air. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Yeah, definitely not too big time, by the way. I know I did miss one of your DMs, and I do apologise about that, but uh, definitely not too big time. <laughs> um, you're not the first, you're not going to be the last. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, the BBC Radio Leicester stuff is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, I get to offer some tactical insight potentially to, to the viewership there. Um, it was really nice of Owen to invite me along to do that. And it's basically just a byproduct of the, the weekly threads that I do about Leicester City's matches, um, which I'm still really enjoying doing despite what's going on in the football club at the moment. Um, and yeah, then outside of that, just doing my, my master's stuff, really trying to get that finished. Um, I've got a performance analysis master's that I'm working on. And then by the end of that, hopefully I'll be some way in the industry, either helping out Leicester City or, or a football club that, that wants me really so that's the the way we're trying to go with the, with the career we'll see how it all pans out well certainly Leicester City yes. would need you at the moment so uh, <laughs> in your, I guess it's going to be a difficult show isn't it tonight from our side of things because things are obviously not going well there's going to be a lot of emotion but you're more of a, a stat man and a in a maybe take some of the cold-hearted uh, emotion away from it a little bit do you or, or are you feeling the way that a lot of Leicester fans are feeling at the moment yeah, I, I do definitely share the frustrations with Leicester fans at the moment. It's been a bit of a weird season for me so far. I've actually missed a lot of the games live. So okay. watching back after... Well, yeah, exactly. I have been quite fortunate on that one. Um, <laughs> so when you already know the result, that does remove that emotional connection to what's happening. But I've caught the last two, the United game and, and Brighton most recently. And I can definitely vouch and say I, I share the frustrations that Leicester fans do. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I'm watching some of these games two, three times over. So you do kind of lose the emotional side to it when you're on that second or third viewing and it's more just analytically looking at it. But I would much, much rather watch a Leicester game two, three times over when we played well. Like It is quite difficult viewing at times when you're, you've, you've already seen this passage you played before. You know how many wrong decisions were made in that process and you've got to watch it time and time again to try and figure out what the club is actually trying to do and, and what Rodgers is looking for. So, um, yeah, I definitely would say I share the frustrations because it is... There's no other way to describe it at the moment. It's it's a ridiculous situation that we're in. Yeah, it is. And uh, what I will say is it's probably rich pickings for you in terms of analysis and, and picking out the things that aren't going right at the moment because there's plenty to choose from there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely the, the least fun part of the job is highlighting the negatives. I always try and find a positive spin for 
for the threads that I do. But in recent weeks, that's been getting harder and harder to come by, I'll be honest. Um, no, I, I don't really know what Rodgers' plan is at the moment, in all honesty. And when he's the coach and the manager, that that's really not a good sign. And I'm not trying to say I notice every single pattern. There definitely could be stuff that Rodgers is trying to do that's just going over my head or I'm not quite noticing. Because, you know, there's so much going on in a football match. It's difficult in one match, 90 minutes, to actually recognise everything that's happening. And that's why the two or three viewings I do can sometimes help spot things that I maybe missed at a first glance. But for the most part, I am I am struggling to see what the, the tactical ideas are for Rodgers. Uh, and so then you've got a lot to talk about, I guess, but it, it's all negative stuff and that, that's not quite as fun. No, it's not. And uh, right, we'll, we'll come back to you in a, in a little while. Say hello to the other two guys as well. Baz, there is a genuine reason for having you on the show this week, other than being our mates, isn't there? Because we play you this week <laughs> in the battle of the. Is it to uh, make you feel better? The battle yeah, of the shit house. Yeah. How, how's things for you? Good point yeah. of the weekend against Man City. Yeah, good point. But it was. Um, call me a terrible fan, but I, I found it hard to enjoy it as well. Um, like I, I, I've tried to stay clear of Twitter and social media and because I, I get heavily involved unfortunately I'm just a petulant person and yeah. um, I think trying to I'm trying to read the positive ones and if if I, I'm still heavily in the general doubt for, for me and I think if he it's, it's why I think I connect with the Leicester fans just now I think it's I think this scoreline has papered over crack and he's getting praised at for basic stuff do you know he's he, because he's done so poorly he's getting praise for setting out a team to try and nullify the best team in the league which every every team does um, and just sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't if they were they, they, they weren't great um, we just got lucky that they were just didn't have their shooting boots on um, and it's kind of similar to your boys unfortunately it's just I think it's a little bit worse for you guys because you're just sitting at the bottom yeah, well, you're up to the heavy heights of 16th now on goal difference. <laughs> uh, that's, that's something to yeah. celebrate. Steve, it's good to have you with us. You've got a pint of Guinness there in uh, in Ireland. How's things? I have. Well, yeah, things are looking up with a pint of Guinness. My second, actually, tonight. Uh, yeah, all right. I've got a busy week. Um, it's hard to, to be positive when your team's played like uh, the Foxes did at the weekend. It kind of ruins your weekend. I was at, I was out in the borders at a wedding on Saturday. Had a good time. Flew back on Sunday. Dropped my plus one off in Edinburgh. Desperate to get back for the match, and then wish I hadn't made it. Okay, yeah, plus one. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it was one of those, wasn't it? I mean, I think I saw on a vote, Steve, for the first time you you voted Rogers out after that one. How are you feeling about the whole situation at the moment? Yeah, uh, look, I'm still not certain about it. I still think he's a good coach when things are going well and he's got money to spend. Uh, and the players have all said that, Vardish, Michael, even Danny Simpson still saying that. A lot of the pundits are saying, you know, we should stick with him. But what, what I saw again um, throughout the match and after the match was a, ma- a guy that was flat, Um that seemed to have no passion or heart for the fight. Um, so what he's done is he's basically dissed his players. He's thrown them under the under the bus a few times, and he said that you know we needed to refresh the squad. And now he's stuck. I don't know what do I do now. I'm stuck with this lot. It's no wonder they've lost the confidence, is it? And he's not. There's no inspiration. There's no passion coming from him. There's no positivity. There's no confidence coming from him. So I've just got to a place where I, I, I'm not sure he can get us through this. No matter how good a coach he is, uh, he seems stuck. Yeah. Barry, we've worked for the same people at different times uh, or at the same time. If you went into work and got told you were rubbish day in, day out, not saying that we did at the time or not, but it, it wouldn't motivate you to do your job very much, would it? Um, no. and it, It's a good analogy. Possibly our listeners won't understand that, but you, you and I worked on... This, for the same company, but in two different branches, and we yeah. connected them together and, and had a fruitful time. Uh, and um, we got the best out of our teams, and you, we would even swap, we swap colleagues if it meant it, we were going to both get better performances. And with Brendan, I think that the depressing thing about that weekend was um, not only he seems to have he's at his, his last teller. 
because he was pointing the finger too much for me. Um, it was also seeing our group chat. It, it, it was depressing reading to see all of you lose your positivity about it. Like, and it is the fan base as well. You can mm. see that on Twitter. It's it's such a shame. Um, and the the guy, whether he's got the he got the backing or not, he's definitely ruined what was possibly a legacy before. Um, that that will be gone now. I I just don't see. I I don't think he's got the ability to turn around because I think he's given up. But he's he's, he's not going to walk away. And you're in this limbo now where you ha- you just your 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 board have to cut him and just give him his money for the benefit of the club. It just has to happen because it's so toxic now. It's almost one of those shows where I want to record a couple of pieces, one where it says Brendan Rodgers has been sacked, another one where we say, oh, Brendan Rodgers has done a job because you just don't know what's going to happen. It's such a fluid situation. Dominic, we ran a poll um, on our Twitter page and 94% of the fans are now Brendan Rodgers out. And we'll come to the tactical stuff as we go through. I'm not going to waste having you on the show tonight and just talk around this for, for the whole hour, but... Can you understand where that frustration comes from and, and where, where's your view sit? Yeah, I can absolutely understand why, you know, you've got to, to that such high percentage number now. I think his, his comments in the media are really on helping himself. You know, if you look at the on-the-pitch stuff, which is already poor, his off-the-pitch stuff is, is becoming very, very debatable for me, how he's conducting himself and stuff like that. Um, I, I never want to be Rogers out because I, I will always support a manager... And I also don't know if the grass is always green. I'm not really sure what the potential suitors are that can really fit what Leicester City need as a manager, which is someone that's you know, willing to promote the youth through the team, which I don't think Rodgers has done as good as he maybe could have done, but he is someone that is willing to work with youngsters. You've got to be able to let go of your best asset most seasons, which a lot of managers aren't happy to do so, but that's kind of the Leicester City model. So you've got to be aware that a manager coming in has to be wary that they are going to lose the, the top line of their talent. And that's a difficult one to to get your head around, but I'm really unhappy with the style of football that we're seeing at the moment. And I've been pretty unhappy with Rodgers' style of play for probably a year or so now, really. Um, There's always been nice glimpses throughout these bad runs of performances, but the actual underlying metrics and just how we play football hasn't been good for quite a consistent period. And I don't really see Rodgers turning that around. I think he's burning too many bridges with his comments you know, he didn't really go after the fans, but he did make a slight comment at them after the Brighton game saying we're making them feel pressured by by getting nervous when we're playing out from the back. You know, you can't start turning on the, the fans for being the problem that's going on. So I do think Rodgers is kind of putting irreparable damage really with the way he's conducting himself in the media. And then he's obviously not doing anything on the pitch to, to support himself either. So it's a really, really difficult time on the on the paying him off package thing as well for the for the owners on that. It gets quite awkward, doesn't it? Because there's no guarantee that if you do get rid of Rogers, you do still stay up you know there's a high likelihood we would because we've got such a good squad in comparison to the teams that are down there but if you do pay him off the reported 20 25 million that he needs for his severance package and then you also get relegated that's like 150 million or so that the king power are losing with not being in the premier league so the owners have got to weigh up how likely it is that a new manager comes in saves us how likely is that Rogers can turn it around there's quite a lot of we've said it already that limbo period there's quite a lot of intangibles that we need to to get sorted out. So I can understand why the decision isn't being rushed, but you can't wait too long because if you if you give give it too long and, and Rogers doesn't turn it around, you're you're giving the replacement very little time to sort it out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that um insight there as well. It's always interesting to to get someone fresh on to hear where they're at because I think sometimes we egg each other on a little bit with some of our feelings. I, I'm at a stage now where I've got to say the manager has, has got to go. Uh, 20 million versus 150 million. It's money. It's a lot of money, isn't it? But uh, And I'm not saying 20 million pounds, nothing, because it's not. I think it just irks you, though, Steve, that it's the only profession where you can be really bad at your job, really, apart from Prime Minister, and go out with a huge, uh, huge payoff. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. And let's be honest, we, we felt we were lucky to have him for a while. Um, he started to do a great job, but this seems to be a trend in all his managerial positions, probably with the exception of Celtic, but certainly in terms of Liverpool and Swansea and clubs like that, as he started quite well, then it's all the wheels have started to come off. Um, I don't think he wants to be sacked, no. Um, Would you walk away from that kind of money? 
Uh, well, he's not going to walk away from it if he's sacked, is he? That, that's the point. No, right? no. I mean, but uh, does he want to be sacked? I don't think anyone behaves in a way that they're going to get sacked. I know some of that has appeared now as a commentary that he's deliberately trying to get sacked. I don't believe that. I think that's bullshit, to be honest. But um, should he get sacked? I think he should now. Because, I, you know, he's blaming everyone else. Um, he has at last said that I'm responsible for all the results and getting us out of this. Well, but it's yeah. kind of hollow. It's kind of hollow with everything else he said before to me. Yeah. He's blamed you. I, I, would, I would have to disagree. I think, um, I think he is now, he has realised that that's as high as he's going to get. I think he's tarnished his uh, reputation. I think he's tarnished his ability. He's shown he can be petulant. And I think, um, like we said, we've said, we've said it numerous times in the podcast, he, he's now on that bandwagon where that's 20 billion that he's going to get. He knows he's going to get it. And it's just a matter of time. And I think it's a horrible trend. I don't know who's going to stop it. I don't know if a club ever will. Um, but it ha- that whatever going forward, clubs who want to progress need to stop adding this into contracts mm-hmm. and delete it and get rid of it. It's, ju- it's just a mental that careers are being made of it. And it, show- it shows you who actually is a good coach, stroke manager, and who isn't. Um, it's, it, I-, I find it actually... It's it's pathetic and embarrassing that it's part of the sport that I love. But this is now a thing. I hate it. Yeah, exactly. You know, he could easily get sacked and walk into another job in, in another couple of weeks, probably across the M6 at your boys, Barry. You know, some of the fans there are quite keen on him. Dominic, how can we hand contracts out the way that we've handed contracts out? And we don't foresee that there's going to be an issue that we might potentially need to sack a manager. Is that just... Is that was totally blind to that, that possibility? Because we were never going to pay £20 million worth of compensation now, were we? Yeah, I think so. I had this conversation with my dad earlier and he made a good point. That I think he should meet some key KPIs, some key performance indicators. And if he doesn't start meeting those, then the severance package kind of disappears and it's not allowed. Yeah. But, but I do think that when you look at it from the owner's perspective, when he handed out this contract to Rogers was when Rogers was doing very well with us. And there was a lot of interest from other clubs around. So you kind of have to give him this really attractive offer. And I don't think in any way, shape or form they could have ever foreseen that we'd be in a place where we're you know, sitting rock bottom of the Premier League table after six games at the start of a new season. So I think it is a little bit of oversight to not, to not look into that and, and perhaps have something in place that if he does start to underperform to this level, that that severance package disappears. But I think it was to make the offer more attractive to Rodgers because I think at the time, you know, I, I believe it was Manchester United who were sniffing with Solskjaer and all that was going on with him. And there was a few other managers. Arteta hadn't really found his way at Arsenal yet. So there was quite a few, I hate to say this word, but top six, big six clubs coming in for him. And I think we needed to offer him something that was guaranteed good money, hence why he's the third highest paid manager in the Premier League. And um, and I just don't think they they could ever see this sort of thing materialising, despite, as has already been mentioned, there being quite a clear trend in his managerial cycles that come the third sort of year of his management, in a sort of Mourinho-esque style, he starts to lose the players, his his ideas, and he starts trying just really almost stupid tactical trends that the players are even themselves questioning, like, what are we doing here? No consistency in its starting eleven, so players don't know who they're playing alongside or what the system is. And it's got quite a record of doing this throughout his management. So maybe a little bit of oversight from from the owners in that perspective but I can I can kind of forgive them for that because at the time when the contract was written up we were flying high Champions League football was basically on the horizon for us and well it's quite the fall from grace unfortunately I just wonder if there's people higher up in the club Steve that might need to take a bit of responsibility for this situation as well I believe there's going to be a report come out saying that we've made a loss of 120 million pounds in the last financial year which is going to be the highest loss out of ever any Premier League club that there is, how are we in this situation? Because we've not spent ridiculously, really. There's some stupid contracts been handed out, but they're they're stupid. They're not they're not crazy money. Yeah, well, we don't have massive income, do we? Like a lot of other clubs. I mean, we we probably get thirty thirty one thousand coming in. We don't have all the overseas fan base buying shirts, and we probably don't have the best sponsorship deals. You know, and that's the whole point, I think, of them investing in the infrastructure they're trying to build the revenues over time 
so we can compete more equally with, with financial fair play in terms of the training ground to attract good young players in terms of what they're trying to do with the stadium. It's not really about putting an extra 8,000 bums on seats. It's, it's the hotel, it's the offices, it's the, um, the flats um, and the income they might get from that. It's the, it's the sports facility, indoor sports facility, the new museum, can't afford it. Sorry? Can't afford it. Can we afford it? Well, that's where they wanted, that's their aim though, not to spend on players, but to spend on that so that it builds the revenue of the club. People are more likely to want to come and do a tour of Leicester City, come and see the museum, come and see this massive shop, you know, extra seats. That's, they're they're looking for long-term growth in revenue overseas. You've got to have something exactly. on the pitch, haven't you? Well, I don't think the point of having is, that being in League One. This is a massive fall, though, Mark. I mean, we we came eighth last year. We just missed out on Europe despite all of the injuries. We shouldn't be this bad this year, losing Fafana, Ricardo out injured, and Schmeichel gone, right? And Schmeichel's having a tough time. I saw he scored three out of ten at the weekend for playing for Nice. So... Um, but I think he was a bit of a leader at the back that Ward isn't, that we're missing. But nevertheless, the fall from grace has been spectacular. Barry, do you see many worse teams in the league than Leicester at the minute? I know we had this discussion offline, but let's just take it online now. For, for where do you see us at the moment? Are we bottom of the table, rightfully, in your opinion? Yeah, like obviously because of our game of the weekend, I don't want to jinx it, but I, like I do, unfortunately, it, it is that, and it's. It, I think what's, I think what because I'm not like I'm not a fan, and I watch it. it, it what infuriates me is you see the sparks of greatness in a game, even when you're playing bad. But it's it, it's it, like the fall from grace isn't just the, like what's happening in the league. It, it, the heads drop so quick, and there's so little players look like they care. It's it's so strange. I think the big players do, but uh, like your Madison and Samari and uh, maybe Justin, but like you, you can't you can't carry you can't carry two players in a, a Premiership game, let alone more than half the squad. I I just don't it, it, like is it down to Brendan? Like there was obviously snapshots of players being subbed off, like Vardy, for example, stayed in down Brendan a couple of games ago. That could be totally out of context and just a, a chance photo. But you get that vibe that there's something just they, they they're not they're not only nervous they just don't want to do it. Uh, like look at KDH is a prime example. Like the, the fall of Leicester is the same as the fall of him. Mm. He went from like the, the superstar at the end of the season. Um, I, like I was I was saying myself, like, why is Yuri getting all the attention for other clubs when he should be getting it because he was the best midfielder there. But he looks nothing what he was last season, and that has to be. It has to be through not getting the arm around the shoulder or the way the training's going or it, it, it could be anything. I, I just don't know what it is. Are, are, they, are they reading social media too much? Like, I, I, I don't know. The, the, the heads just seem to be totally gone. And yeah, to answer your question, I, I think it is, I, think, I do think currently they're the poorest form team in the league. I was listening to another show before we came on and uh, Tom, that is from Leicester Fan TV, that's been on this show a few times, I, I really rate the way that he comes across, actually, and what he was one of the few from Leicester Fan TV. Um, what, what he was actually talking about was the fact that when we've been relegated before or been down this end of the table before, it's never quite felt like this at the moment in terms of coming into a game, we score, we go in front, we just look totally devoid of confidence, we go behind... And then they're getting frustrated with each other. Um, Dominic, wh- wh- why is this going wrong on the pitch then? What's your view from a tactical perspective or a morale or confidence perspective as why why we're losing football well, five in a row now? Yeah, I mean, confidence plays a massive part into it. I think that you could see when we went one the up against Brighton and the players had that confidence from scoring early. But it's actually... An inherent negative to it goes much further the other way when you concede twice inside 13 minutes. All that that elation you had confidence wise being boosted just gets completely flipped on its head and goes completely the opposite way when you throw it away as quickly as we did. And so then you're playing the rest of the game with you know very limited confidence. And I think that Rogers' decision making for substitutions and, and tweaks here and there have, have led to that. We just spoke there about Dewsbury Hall. 
Yeah, he was brought off against Brentford after just scoring a brilliant, brilliant goal. And he was dictating the midfield for us with his energy and his tempo. And he was helping us press because Brentford were getting into the game at that point. And he takes him off and then, lo and behold, that, that whole thing unveils. Or maybe that maybe the Southampton game. But we took Dewsbury Hall off in a very unorthodox time of the game and it, and it flipped it on its head. And I think that knocked his confidence a little bit because he has been a crucial ingredient to Leicester City's success. And then now he can kind of just get on the chopping block with a lot of the other players that, that Rodgers seems to seems to be going for. Tactically, it's quite simple what we're doing wrong is we we move the ball so slowly around the pitch. There's no tempo to the way that we play football. And, and you're never going to break down any opposition of any level if you move the ball slowly because even if a gap forms, by the time you've moved it across to that gap, the, play, the opposition are quick enough to just shuttle across it and just close the space that you've created. You know, we tried a few really nice tactical implementations this year. The inverted fullbacks, which I've spoken at length about with my, my BBC stuff, has been a really great insight from what Rogers has done there with James Justin. Having him invert in the middle of the pitch instead of playing as a fullback to offer a passing lane in the centre, but also open up a really quick pass into Barnes down the line from Evans, who's playing at left centre-back. It's a really smart idea because the opposition winger will either track Justin inside and cover that and then open the pass to Burns or he'll stay out wide and then there's a free pass to Justin in the middle. It's as simple as that. He basically finds himself space. But there's all this movement isn't being done on a consistent basis. We we are so slow at moving the ball around. And even when we try things like this, the attacking movement from our players is non-existent. And I do pin that on Rogers actually. I think Rogers is so hell-bent on having structure in his sides. I think the players are being drilled on structure about holding positions here and there. When in actuality, you need fluidity in your, in your front line. You need players moving around, rotating positions, you know, have Madison when he's playing as a right wing, tuck inside, and then you can have the fullback overlap out wide right, or Vardy coming to show defeat sometimes, or Vardy making a run behind the defensive line, which I haven't seen him do for, for a number of years now under, under Brendan Rodgers. just feels like everything that we try to do is, is really structured and, and is a result of that quite stale. And so, yeah, as a result of that, we're, we're, we're struggling to make our way through the pitch. And the opposition can feel that. Brighton really felt how nervy we were. And they just pressed us higher and higher and higher to the point where we started creating our own downfalls and our own mistakes. So confidence is the underlying problem for Leicester City. And I think once confidence picks up, you start to see the ball being moved around quicker. You know, the confidence does dictate how long you take to, to control the ball and pass it because you're worried about losing it. And another point I will say as well is, as a midfielder and as their attacker, when you know the defence behind you is as fragile as they are, you know, 16 goals in six games, it's really difficult to take risks in possession because you're so conscious of the, the, what happens when you turn the ball over and the opposition comes back at you. Now, I can't imagine Tillemans, who I thought was actually very, very good against Brighton. And in amongst all the poor performances, I thought Tillemans was actually very good. Even he is struggling to be super progressive with the ball because even behind, he knows as soon as the ball's turned over, he's got a back four that's leaking goals. So he then t- tries to play safe to keep hold of the ball. It's just this vicious cycle that, that the players are scared to lose it. And then that's the opposition kind of feel that. They press us higher, force our own mistakes. And yeah, we just play really, really slow football. And that's a, a recipe for disaster at any level, really. In the Premier League, you'll get, you'll get dominated by doing that. Do you see that lack of confidence, Steve, in the, the side of the minute? I think from a basic level, we talk around five-yard passes being played behind people, simple balls. Um, and the fragility in the, in the defence, does that come from maybe not having the right players in the defence at that time as well? I look at Wilfred Ndidi at centre-back, uh, and he's a, a midfielder when we've got other centre-backs not in the in the squad at all. What's your thoughts on that? Well, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with Sumari. Uh, and we know Vestergaard turned down a move Sionchu. because it was going to half his salary. But Sionchu, I don't know what's gone on with him. You have to assume something bad's gone on, whether it's personal with Rogers, whether he's done something in the squad, whether he said he wants to leave. I don't know, because it doesn't make any sense um, playing in Didi when you've got a good centre-half there. I think some of the stuff he's trying has lost some of the players or confused and baffled the players. And when you're, when you're low in confidence, you take the safe option. You play backwards, you play sideways. You don't play, you don't take the risk balls, you don't play quickly. You take one or two too many touches um, and just silly stuff going wrong. Players are better than that. I mean, look at Ward and he put Thomas in trouble within a minute of us going in front, right? And Thomas ended up getting booked, could have easily been a, a penalty. 
Um, Madison gave them the goal by giving the ball away. If he got rid of it quicker, he got ended up getting closed down by three players and couldn't get the ball through. He was trying to be progressive. Um, so you've got good players playing real, really poor passes and touches. Um, it's got to be a confidence thing. And I actually don't think, I, I, I think you might be right, Dominic, in terms of uh, structure. But I think Rogers wants us to play quickly, but the players haven't got the confidence to do it. Because he's telling them they're rubbish. Yeah, that's not yeah, helping that them for sure. Yeah, it doesn't help. It's like a vicious cycle, Barry, isn't it? We've got at the minute. And question I asked Steve about around having um, Wilfred and Didi at centre back. There's a bit of a, a challenge around square holes and around pegs or whatever the, the saying is. Um, you've got Madison on the right winger, he's not a right winger. The, the balance of the team doesn't quite feel right, does it? No, it doesn't look at. Um... <clears throat> the other two ones that we were wrong because we discussed it at the start of the season we thought um, with Amarty starting but um, to be fair to Amarty he ended the season relatively well at the last season and like he might just be a phenomenal trainer the NTD thing is just so weird uh, I, just, I just don't get it I understand it when you don't have defenders because like, he can he can fill the role for a couple of games um, I just I just don't know there, there seems to be a lot of that like I just don't know what Brenda is trying to do um, like I think the formation of having the two up front is the right move, and it seemed I think it works well, and it, it, it kind of proved that Dak and Ian Atchell are kind of deadly. Think the chances they just need to get more chances, um, and the only way that's probably going to happen is having that confidence to be more progressive and whatnot. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's the um, square pegs and circles or whatever it is. I, I don't. It, I just don't think it is that because the squad they've all played there before. They've all played there before. It's not a surprise to them. It's not a shock to them. And they've played there and won before. It's just, um, I, I think it's more a mentality struggle rather than like a physical capability struggle. Uh, Dominic, we spoke around the two up front there. Um, clearly in the first half, we, we didn't have that many chances, but we scored a couple of goals. Sort of, for me, matches the season so far. I'm not sure, not sure of the stat on XG. I know you're not particularly a fan of XG, whatever that stat is that you prefer. I, I think Leicester have been quite clinical at different points in front of God. I don't think we've had that many chances in all of the games this season. We've, we've scored a fair few goals. Um, why did he change it at half-time going in at 2 all? do you think, on uh, on Sunday? Yeah, I noted the, the change at, at half-time was, was to match Brighton's shape because what was happening was we were playing a 4-4-2 and they were playing a back three with wing-backs and, and how that kind of lines up against each other is their wing back is placed between Leicester City's winger and fullback. So they're in that awkward space between the two of them where they can receive possession and it's then down on the communication between those two players about who to cover in. But we're having a lot of problems with Luke Thomas on the on the defensive left for us and, and Sonny March for them on the right hand side. You know, their second uh was it the second or maybe I think it might have been the first goal, the the Luke Thomas own goal came from the space the wing backs both had on, on the yeah. other side of the pitch. And Ironically, we had two players versus one, so it was an actual overload in our favour, but it was an area of the pitch that Brighton were dominating, and that's what they were using to create their chances. So in order to, to kind of negate that and go wing-back yourself, you either have to go 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 are the two kind of options you've got. And, and with Dakar and Ian Asher doing really well in the first half, you didn't really want to sacrifice one of the two strikers. So you go to a 3-5-2 and play Madison in the 10 just behind them, and that means that there's no real room for Harvey Barnes. So that's why that change happened in my mind. I actually said during the game at halftime that I think that's what Rodgers will do. I was surprised he did it as early as halftime. He doesn't tend to go to the subs bench as early as that. He doesn't tend to go to the subs bench as often as I think many think he should do. Um, but that was the reason for that. But I, I do think that Barnes is a, a singular profile that we don't have a lot of at Leicester City. That explosive, direct running. That, and yes, he is a confidence player, but he's willing to take his man on one versus one. And as soon as you remove that, all of the players that were playing in that 3-5-2 at the second half are all players that only want to move the ball forwards by passing. None of them want to take on a man. Madison will try to, but he was he looked shot of confidence after that mistake for the second goal, which I also would suggest, I actually think was really, really poor from Luke Thomas. I don't want to get on at Thomas too much, but he just jogs back and gives them an easy transition to go through and score. And that's really frustrating from a fan's perspective because that's just basic running back. There's no skill or quality needed there that's just simple wanting to get back and cover defensively 
But that's the reason I think we changed at halftime was to kind of try and match Brighton's shape. But, but they've been perfecting that under Potter for a few years now, the back three. And they're such a very, very well-coached side. I'm a massive, massive fan of Graham Potter. So trying to match them tactically is, is always going to be a difficult battle. And it's a formation. I don't think we're too great in the back three. So you kind of, you match them to try and negate what they're doing, but then make yourself weaker in the process because you're not quite as functionally as good in it as you are maybe other formations. Um, it's going to be an interesting one because, and I might be the only person that thinks this, I think Madison's best position is at, actually as the right winger. And that means that then you are struggling to shoehorn him into a side and the front two because you can only really do the 4-4-2 at that. There's no other formation really, unless you start going asymmetrical and making it quite quirky and I don't think that's what Rogers needs at the moment I think he needs something a little bit more easy for the players to understand yeah um, I think you don't have to go for the 4-4-2 and that's you know we're taking it really old school with that and I'm not sure how that's going to work for, for us going forward but yeah the two strikers work nicely uh, but that's that's why I would suggest that the changes happened at half time I guess, Steve, the, the problem with that was that we, we lost any attacking impetus with that, didn't we? We didn't look like scoring in the second half and we still were equally as leaky. You've got in the back three at that stage, you've got a central midfielder, a left back and one centre back. It's unbalanced, to say the least. Yeah, I, I think for a while we held our own in the second half, actually. And, and I know the commentators were saying, oh, Brighton are finding this more difficult. Uh, you're right. I mean... To have a back three with three good defenders in there, I think uh, might work. But well, we didn't have that. We had one in Evans, who's not been at his best this year for me anyway. Um, but it's looked good compared to anyone else we've had in the back two or back three. Um, and I think we held our own for a while. Uh, we got lucky, didn't we, with a goal that was disallowed. But then it just kind of fell apart. Uh, Brighton worked it out and got over that initial problem they had when we changed shape at the start of the second half and just overran us. And you're right, we didn't create anything with that shape either. Barry, it was a quick chat around VAR with you. Obviously, they had a, a bit of a stunner disallowed at the beginning of the second half, two minutes into the, to the second half. It took nearly five minutes to review. Obviously, we're Leicester fans, so it worked out okay for us on that occasion. But it's ruining the game, isn't it, when it takes that long? Uh, yeah, and I actually thought it was a long decision as well. Um, and it's possibly stopped that lad winning goal this season. It was, um, the players had nothing to do with how that was affected. It was, it's just a total shambles. Um, uh, yeah, like I, can't, I can't say anything other than that. VR is just, it's, this weekend has been pitiful, um, pitiful decisions. Uh, and just what was infuriating about it is they make new rules each season and they don't adhere to them and then they make them up as they go along yeah. um, and I'm particularly sour about it because it's two seasons on the trot we've had it against Man City um, and, and how can you not say it's a top six syndrome I, I just don't know how you cannot say it it's, it's, not, it's never bias, isn't there? it's never it's never against and even what's funny about it is I was having a bit of a spat with some Arsenal fans on Twitter it was just like um, no I know um, it was just highlighting they're not big six because it went against them like yeah. they're not, they're they're not a team that brings Sky Sports the the big bucks like Man United do or Man City Liverpool even Chelsea to an extent so they're still going to fall victim to that um, because it's not a big six it's a big four they're the only four that really get it they go their way um, and it's just a bloody coin flip when it's teams that aren't involved in that it's it's just an absolute shambles I, it just it just infuriates me that they don't stick to the rules like make the rules and stick to them that that's fair because inevitably. Everyone will probably get one wrong and get one go in their favour, etc. But changing rules, even in a game, is mental. It's utterly yeah. mental. Like, how can you not say it's corrupt? We might as well be the Italian league. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's hard to watch. I think you need to release your own uh, podcast with your own theories on the stuff like that. It could be could be a spectacular. <laughs> that a bit of Area Fifty One and all the, all the rest of it. Let's yeah, talk maybe. Danny Ward, um, Dominic. Danny Ward has conceded sixteen goals. In six games, he's only saved 16 shots in total as well. Um, I'm not saying he was to blame for all of the goals, but it, again, it doesn't quite feel right there. It doesn't feel the right fit for us at the back at the moment. What's your view on his performances? Yeah, uh, there's another metric that I'm, this one I'm actually a fan of is post-shot expected goals. And that's yeah. 
basically looking at the quality of the saves of the keeper. Should they have saved more goals than they've let in? And Danny Ward is the worst performing goalkeeper in Europe's top five leagues so far. So is it four goals, too many he's let in so far. Four point four, yeah, goals more than. Did you say in Europe's top five leagues, he's the worst. Yes, I believe so. I believe so. He's Bloody in the. Hell. He's in the one percentile, so he's in the bottom one percent of, of uh, goalkeepers in the last year. But obviously, his data is mainly from this season, having not really featured before that. So, so his his shot stopping is is not good. And even in the game against Brighton, the second goal for Saicedo, I thought he dives the wrong way and sticks his arm out the opposite way, and he did the same thing for Trossard in the third goal. And that might need some second viewing to to make sense, but. I don't really agree with his action for saving shots. He seems to lower his body to one way, but then put his arm the other way, almost moving out of the way of the, the shot. So, mm. yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. We were all excited about the idea of Danny Ward coming in in goal because he had that more presence than we, we thought we were lacking in Schmeichel. He would claim crosses, he'd be commanding his box, but he, he hasn't been doing any of that. And, and I think that is down again to confidence. I don't want to pin too much on confidence because the players do need to be accountable for what they're doing but he hasn't been doing any of that. And then he's, he's shot-stopping is, as I've already mentioned, at the, at the worst end of, of Europe's leagues. And then in possession, I mean, he had a spat with Ndidi that was completely his fault. I don't even know how yeah, he was yeah. to blame on Ndidi for that one. It was a poor touch and, and, and then that was resulted in the Welbeck chance. He doesn't look comfortable on the ball. Um, and in all honesty, I thought the Foxes fans at Brighton were doing really good. They were singing, praising his name after a very shaky start to the game. But he just didn't seem to kick on from that. He's really, really struggling to, to be that kind of last player that you can pass to as a safety option to keep hold of the ball. The amount of times we're just playing it long instead of going back to Ward because we're, we're worried about him in possession. You know, Schmeichel, his, his passing would be heavily critiqued by a few because he, he would go for that clipped ball into the fullback and he'd overjudge it and he'd go out of play quite often. But he was yeah. much, much more reliable in, in possession than, than Ward has shown so far this season. And that's not to say Ward can't change that. But um, yeah, he's he's really not put in the performances so far. I, I would quite like to see Iverson given a chance. I think he yeah. couldn't do much more in that penalty shootout in the League Cup. And then every single time he's been asked upon, he did have a shaky pre-season where he let in a couple of goals that I think even he would have been frustrated about. But I don't think you can really you know, knock him down because of that. Um, so I think it's, it's worth trying. But Again, I keep, I keep alluding to needing some structure, something to stay, consistency, and, and changing players every, every game doesn't, doesn't help with that. But, but Ward's definitely not helped Leicester's face this season. Yeah, no, I would, would agree with that. Steve, he's not a great shot stopper, is he? Uh, obviously not because of the goals that he's conceded, but he's under, under pressure now, I think, from large sections of the, the fan base. But Brendan Rodgers always saw him as, as another number one. Do you think his support in Ward will stay the same? Um, he's not having a good time of it, but I think he is a good keeper. I mean, people in Aberdeen still rave about him for his loan spell there. They thought he was a fantastic keeper, fantastic shot stopper, good all-round keeper. Uh, he was well thought of as, at Liverpool. He's been well thought of at Wales. I know he dropped one big clangor for Wales, but generally he took over from Hennessy and people thought he was a great keeper. Uh, he's just lost his mojo, I think. Um, and we're not seeing the best of him. So maybe he needs dropping. Maybe he can't play his way through it. It's difficult when you're a keeper, I think, to play your way through, especially when you've got a back line in front of you that's got no confidence and um, isn't playing well. But, uh, you know, there is a risk that Everson could be damaged by coming into the team the way they're playing right now as well. Yes, we're He's all... a young man. Is he going to be strong enough to deal with all of that? I guess we're all pinning hopes, Barry, on Bootfass being the reincarnation of Paolo Maldini. He's got his hair. Um, you, you know, is that a shrewd signing for Leicester on deadline day or does it smack a little bit of a little bit of panic? Um, I don't really know much about it. I read, I read about him um, and he, see, like, he seems like he's good in the ball, um, good in the air. So, like, he can't be, he can't be worse. Like can he? So, like I think, like he 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 he'll probably start, and we get man of the match on Saturday, and you boys will be grinning about it. But yeah, um, it will improve it. Like that, that's there is a silver lining there because he's he will be better than Ndidi. So yeah. if he can just start an instant relationship with Evans, he just needs he can be an instant hero. Like getting a nil nil on Saturday is a huge thing for Leicester, uh, because that that's the beginning. Stop conceding. One clean like, sheet. One clean sheet in twenty nine games now for Leicester. Yeah, that that has to be that's that's where the confidence begins. You have it has to happen. 
Um, but whether that's Saturday or not, that's that's where the back four will start to believe again. Um, and then the, and then it just filters through the, the team because there's, there's no denying that you guys can score at any point, like any point. There's no like get it to them to there's more more times than not they're going to score. And the same with Madison Bar- Barnes is off just now, but like he just needs a goal and then he's bloody Frank Ribery again. Just that there is the confidence thing, and this this guy might be. He seems a character as well. Like he might be that guy that just galvanizes the team. Do you uh, do you look ahead to games, Dominic, from a tactical perspective, or do you, you just look back on? I wonder if you've had any thoughts around our game against Aston Villa at the weekend before we speak to Villa fan Barry about where their strengths and weaknesses are. That's a really good question. I haven't looked ahead to the Aston Villa game. I have done in past. It tended to be about the European games when it was maybe opposition that our fans weren't too familiar with to try and paint a little bit of a picture for them to see what to be expected. But no, I haven't looked ahead to Aston Villa's game, actually. Um, or just on the, well, Fass or however his name is pronounced, He, I think he's a very good piece of business. I don't think it's a snap bot like Sale. I don't think we went for it just on a limb. Apparently we've been scouting him for quite a while. And I think he ticks a lot of the boxes that Rodgers has been missing and what he's been really asking for in his post-match interviews, he will go for the ball in the box, in the air. He, he will attack that willingness and desire to attack the ball that Rogers always talks about. You will get with him. And I've watched him play, and it was against PSG, so it's against Neymar, Mbappe and Messi, which I don't think gets much more difficult than that. I think Villa will be good against us, but maybe not to, to that level. Um, and he dealt with, he dealt with those play. three. <laughs> he dealt with those three very adequately, considering the strengths that they've got. Um yeah, I think he he could be a massive, massive help for Leicester. And I don't want to pin it all on him because I think that's unfair to do so. But I do think it is a good piece of business. I don't think it's a desperation signing of any means. I think it's actually good business. Um, and, and hopefully he'll, he'll want to stay at the club with his... He's got Belgian friends here. He went to school with Tillemans. Like there's there's a lot more to it than, than maybe a pit first met the eye when he first signed for it. So I, I do feel excited about that one. But uh, with regards to Villa, I, I haven't looked forward to that one. Yeah. Steve, would you put Vufas straight into the uh, team at the, at the weekend? I guess the danger at the moment is that you can damage someone's confidence, but we've got to we've got to go for it, haven't we? We have, yeah. Assuming that his visa's come through. I don't know if anyone's heard what the latest is on that, but yeah, he's got to go in. He's stuck with a set-piece coach somewhere around the Ardennes, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> The two of them just float around together. You'd have him straight in, would you? I would, yeah. Yeah, Barry. What can we expect from Aston Villa this weekend? Um, I have no idea. Um, I think yeah, yeah. The new if the new guy plays, um, Watkins isn't scoring, but he's playing really well. He's battering big centre halves. I, th- I think I think Watkins is probably going to get his goal this weekend. Um, whether that's um, or Marty uh, NDD. Because we, we're playing, we, we seem to have mastered that sort of diagonal over the top ball and we're getting a bit of success with that and, and, and your boys are a bit vulnerable to that. So that that could happen. I think the, the battle of midfields, um, we've always talked about that, says whoever wins that before the games we've talked about, but who knows with our, our two teams just now. There's just no idea. Like as much as your guys aren't maybe performing, neither's ours. McGinn's the worst form I've ever seen him, but because he's captain, he has to play. Um, Kamara looks amazing. Um, I think he's great. I think Dendoka will probably start, get his debut, um, and we'll play that, that solid. Problem two- there, though, doesn't it? Because the players you talk about there have got some serious height. That's going to yeah. give us a bit of a problem from defending set pieces, which could be a way way through for Villa. I think I think you guys might get punished. Like I, I might even put a couple of pennies on Benderak scoring on his debut um, from a set piece. I think I think he'll start. Um, the Don Call starting will play Louise in front of them too so it'll be very defence minded um, and just to nullify that lack of confidence I think not, not let any sparks happen um, I don't think any of the South American Wizards will start because it worked really well without them starting Like granted it was Man City and you guys are bottom but he'd be an absolute buffoon to change that now that he's got the fan base back on side um, where you can side? get us? Are they back on side? It seems, it, yeah. I think that I think the uh, um, the lack of intelligence with some of our fan base, are, and every fan has the right to be fickle. Of course they do. Um, but I think just because we do against a Man City, they didn't play that particularly well. Whether you want to give us the credit for that or not, I don't. I don't at all. They could have punished us completely. Um, they just didn't have the shooting boots on. 
Um, I think he it'll say a lot about him on the weekend if he sticks with it and it shows that he's learned. But if he goes back to the way it was and shows that he's arrogant, you could punish us. Like our defence, it's okay. Def- like everyone going about Mings having Haaland in his pocket, but he still he still scores. Like it's Ian Acho and Daka could rinse our guys. I think I think they could because the one thing they can't handle is pace. Yeah, um, Mings was told to stick on Haaland. That was his job. He didn't have to. He didn't have to deal with his pace because he was just on him the whole time. But with two up front moving around two centre halves, that's a different ball game for us. I, I, like I, I generally, I, I don't know how it's going to go. It looks like Ashley Young will start. Ashley Young versus Barnes terrifies me. Um, I don't know. I like I, I actually see it being just a, a miserable no no. Um, but who knows? It could easily be four three. Is is there a chance, Steve, that we can turn this round? As is without any radical changes of manager and everything, anything else that goes with it. I know there's a lot now that say, look, it's gone too far. What would a win do for us on Saturday? I'd do a lot for confidence, I think. Um, you know, even if we even if we went two up and fought and scrapped and blocked everything, um, uh, you know, it, it could change the confidence in the in the team quite a bit, especially if we went on to get another result. After that, um, I think confidence is it, it can make a good player look poor and it can make um, a committed player look like he's not trying. Right. And, um, you know, look at Madison. He was gutted at the end of the game. He was really poor throughout the game after that mistake really got to him, I think. Um, and you've got players pointing the fingers at each other and blaming each other. We haven't had that. Uh, I know Rogers said, oh, that's a good thing. I, I don't think it is because we would have all said, you know, in the past it would have been, never mind, Steve, come on, we'll still win this game or whatever. But instead, they're, they're effing and blinding each other and pointing the finger at each other. It just shows where the confidence at, is at and they don't want to get the blame for it. Uh, the one good thing about Kieran and Dewsbury Hall is even when he's playing bad, he still wants the ball. He doesn't go hiding. Some of them go off and hide. They don't want the ball anymore. Uh, so I think it's massive. Um, uh, you know, to go one nil up was great, but then the confidence was shattered. I think straight away by the keeper's mistake, Ward's mistake, Thomas getting booked, and then just mistake after mistake started coming creeping in. If we'd got control of the ball at that point, I think we would have given Brighton a harder, a tougher game. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know if we will see it. So it can happen. We've got to kind of hope that it does happen because obviously the top's not sacked in yet, right? And um, so if we draw against Villa or lose narrowly against Villa, it's probably still not going to get sacked. Not unless we get gubbed. Um, so, you know, when when is the decision going to be made? And are they going to make a decision? And if not, we've got to hope they turn it around themselves. And I think they've got to... I don't care if we beat Villa 1-0 and it's really lucky. It might help. It's so strange, it's so strange that we're both in the same boat. I, mm. I think I think both, both both boards will be waiting till this international break and seeing what the next two games are, like for sure. Like we, like we can both have, like we could draw on Saturday and both lose the following game, which is highly realistic. And mm. then both lose our managers. It's, but then one of us could get two decent results and it's turned up from the round into the break. But, yeah, it's such a weird. It's such a weird experience. Like the, Dominic, are you going to the game? The it hasn't been changed to TV because it'll be such. What's that? It's, no, it's sorry, a, you cut out a little bit from me there. Carry on. Oh, oh sorry. It was. Uh, it, it should be on TV because, as a neutral and entertainment-wise, there's so much pressure on the game, like for the players and the manager. It's it's un, like it's unreal, and only us fans know that that how much pressure is on it because there's so much at stake. There's so many people. They don't want the team to do negatively, but possibly in the mind think, well, if it did go negatively, then we get rid of them and then we can start again. And no, no fan likes to think like that. Are you going to the game on Saturday, uh, Dominic? I'm not. No, I will be streaming the game from home. I don't get to go to games very often nowadays, which is really upsetting. Um, after sacrificing my season ticket to go to uni, it's been very difficult to to get tickets after that because. For the most part, we've been a very good performing side and so tickets sell very, very quickly. But um, no, I'll be watching the game from home. Um, hopeful of a, 
it may be just a performance in all honesty. I think the result is important, but you're going to get results if you start fixing your performances. At the moment, we don't deserve results because the performances are so bad. Um, but it's, it's interesting, especially listening to Barry there talking about Villa because they're also in a similar boat in terms of we're both so unpredictable about which team shows up on the day. And I do think we're historically, we have been quite poor against Villa, especially set pieces. Mings causes real problems when we played them last time. But I do remember a very, very good victory for us at their place at 4-1. And we played the 4-4-2 diamond and that absolutely played them through. And again, it's a completely different setup to Villa now. I don't think that's going to work as well, especially if they want to play two holding midfielders in, in Dendonka. You've got Douglas Luiz as a holding midfielder and you've got Kamara. It'd be very difficult to play the diamond against those. Um, but I'm really curious as what the team's going to be for that game, as I say, because I, I still think the 4-3-3 is our best formation. But if Dakar and Inacho are performing well, you can't really drop either of those two. So I'm, I'm curious about how, how Rogers kind of answers that very difficult uh, situation. Of course, it puts Jamie Vardy really as the third choice striker at the moment, doesn't it? When you think of uh, the, the form of the strikers that we've got, it's, it's a strange position for, for him to be in. Yeah, it is. But I actually don't disagree with it being that case at the moment. I quite like Vardy as the third choice. And I know that sounds really uncommon to say, and I still think he is actually the best forward that we've got out of the three but bringing him off the bench the last thing defenders want to play against is tired with tired legs is Jamie Vardy you know and, and the same could be said for Pats and Dakar to a certain extent as well but I think Vardy's still got that clinical edge more so than Dakar even though this season Dakar's shown it more than Vardy I feel like if you can bring Vardy off the bench in the 60th minute sort of mark that's a really good point for him to impact the game now it's whether or not he can be happy with those reduced minutes and yeah. that's a difficult conversation for Rogers to have because he's gone from being Leicester's talisman to being a bit part player, if that is the case, if we go down that route. But I don't mind the idea of playing one of Vardy or Dakar off the bench in a 60th minute mark and just let them go run havoc at the, the opposition defence. Because, you know, tactics aside, if you're playing against heavy legs, speed is, is, is the answer there, really. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, Vardy... He's not really been at it so far this season. And I don't want to see him in bench for that reason, but the other two look good. So you go with who's informed, don't you? Right. As our guest for the evening as well, Dominic, I'm going to need a prediction for you for, for the game on Saturday just for, as we close the show off. The hour has flown by yet again. Do you see Leicester getting a win or is it going to be another tough afternoon at the KP? Yeah, that is a really, really difficult question to answer at the moment. Um, I'll be honest with you, when the Brighton game finished, I looked at our fixture list and I didn't see a win in sight. So, but that was quite a reactionary take, I guess, and emotionally driven. Looking at it now, I think I see a pretty boring draw. And I think that kind of benefits both teams at this moment in time. I feel like if we could set up an agreement, the two managers before the game, to just play out a nil-nil draw, I think it would benefit both those two and the teams going forward. Obviously, they won't be able to do that. But... Yeah, I am going to go for a, for a boring nil-nil. And that's being brave because we look like leaking goals on every single attack for the opposition at the moment. But I'm hoping, you know, you start your Timothy Castanias, who is very defensively capable. You play maybe fast, bring him in at, at defence. On, on him, I think he's more of an Evans replacement than a Fafana replacement. And that might be a little bit controversial, but I feel like he's stylistically, he's, he's more similar to Evans. So I'd be interested to see how those two work together if they were to be a, in a back four, if they were to be the two centre-backs. Um, I'd like to see Soyuncu back in the fold, but I just think that Rodgers has burned that bridge. And he looks to be on his way to Turkey. I think it's Galatasaray yeah. or, or some, some club around there. Um, so if we play the right team, I, I think we could hold them to a clean sheet. So I'm going to go for a, a very risky nil-nil. OK. Barry? No idea. Like, I, would need to, I would need to be asked before the game just to see the teams, I think. If we stick to the, the team that we had against City, then I, I think we'd win. Um, but we we just we don't keep clean sheets. No, neither do we. So I'm going to go a wild a wild forty villa. I think Watkins is going to hit the net a couple of times this weekend. Steve, it's so difficult to predict this one. It could be four one to Villa. It could be one all. But I'm going to go with my heart and say we're going to turn the corner, maybe with quite a bit of luck, and win two nil. That'd be great if that was the case, wouldn't it? I'm going to go for a, a one-all draw, I think, on the Saturday. Not a classic by any stretch of the imagination. Um, that's about it, guys. Thanks very much for joining us again tonight, Dominic. Um, really appreciate welcome. you coming on and giving us your insight. 
Uh, Barry, good luck, but not too much good luck for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how it goes. But that's another episode of It's 11 at 7 for Jamie Vardy. And we'll join you again next time. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.